You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express, powered by the War Report podcast. It's Wednesday, as always. I got my girl Brandy Mack and my dude Auburn memes here with me to talk a little bit about the Auburn quarterback race. Guys, Arson got in front of the podium and told people TJ Finley is like a coach on the field. So there was a feeling that Zach Calzada might have been winning the quarterback race. It turned out maybe he was only winning the social media quarterback race. We found out this week that the actual quarterback race may look a little different than we thought. Memes, of, as always, you're plugged in on social media. Take us there, man. What are the reactions to people finding out that TJ Finley could be QB1 come, come game one? Treat your boys. Chill Boys Underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys Underwear will help you keep the boys close. Uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys Underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys. Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Yeah, I mean, it is it is not great for some. It's expected by others. And you have the factions of fan bases now. We In the last few weeks, we've seen this giant echelon of push and i would honestly say a lot with the students surprisingly are really kind of moving to the robbie camp some of the more logical minded folks are saying well tj's the incumbent quarterback he knows the playbook the best naturally why would he not make progressions in the offseason and then there's some that were just so sold on zach calzada for so many reasons and they are the ones that are scratching their heads essentially being like if this is all true this can't be and needless to say, I mean, I, I it's not fair to TJ, but also he's had the most experienced starting games, including not winning a game as a true starter at Auburn. So he definitely has the biggest advantage and disadvantage for that same reason. And I think there's a little bit of a cloud over him for that. But like I said, also, he's probably a little bit ahead of the race and the other guys as well. So the romanticized idea of Calzada, I think, kind of has him in people's minds maybe a little bit further than he is. and. Robbie is just a true dark horse. And let's not forget, when we talk about this a little bit later, you know, Robbie was the highest ranked out of high school, both of them by a pretty long shot. So mm. from tangible standpoints, you got to remember from just raw quarterback ability, there's a factor for Robbie as well. And I think a lot of this is a mental game and is not necessarily coming from the coaches. I really think this is what happens when you have a true quarterback battle. Brandy, from an odds-on perspective, Robbie Ashford, where he stands in this quarterback race, you know, what are you feeling? What's what are the odds that Robbie is he ten to one right now to start? 
<laughs> you know, I would say before fall camp and before last weekend's scrimmage that Calzada probably would have been a pretty heavy favorite just from everything we were seeing on social media. Um, there's this big perception of, you know, he's the elephant slayer because he was the quarterback that was at Texas A&M when they beat Alabama. Uh-huh. Um, and we saw what TJ did last, at the end of last season, and it, it was okay. It wasn't necessarily the most promising outlook. And then there was kind of, you know, Robbie, who was kind of like an outlier compared to Zach and TJ. And so I think even now, Robbie still wouldn't necessarily be like the favorite. I think that's pretty clear that TJ right now, according to what Harson has said and what we've seen um, through message boards and through social media. Um, so, you know, from an odds perspective, I, I would say like all of them are probably pretty even with TJ being, you know, more of a favorite than the other two right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Um, you mentioned, again, the social media perception about who was winning this race. Uh, you know, Calzada, I think, had a better on-field product last season than TJ did. Now, the smaller size, the, the sample size was smaller for TJ, right? You know, you're talking about a whole season versus three games at the end of the season. And, you know, where I want to go with the conversation next is about the idea that players can improve in the offseason. Now, TJ has had a lot of doubters. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I fell in the camp that felt like mm, this might be Calzada's job to lose. Uh, Harson has been pretty neutral on all the QBs all the way through SEC media days. But this is now the first time we're hearing from him that, hey, man, TJ has improved greatly. We're hearing that from other players. You know, what about this perception, guys, that a player can only be what we've seen in the past and any expectation of an exponential jump going from year to year is something that is foreign, it feels like, to our fan base. Well, let's be real. It's not like Auburn has seen year-over-year quarterback improvement really since Nick Marshall. Stidham regressed year two. Now, a lot of that may have to do a little bit more with the team around him and the offensive line play especially. Bo did get better from year two to three, but that got ended pretty quick. And still with his constant ups and downs, it just didn't really feel like you had a consistent product out of him. So I would still kind of put an asterisk by that. And then before that, I mean, you have to go back to, I guess, Chris Todd, but that was kind of coming off an injury. So then even Brandon Cox kind of started getting worse from his year. So really the last time Auburn had true quarterback development was 03 to 04 Campbell. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's been the sad, sad story. Auburn yeah, fans are jaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Back to back quarterbacks has not really been a thing. It feels like a once every five year event that Auburn finds a decent quarterback, right? So uh, here we are. It's the offseason. A lot of people were down on TJ Finley. It seems like he may be at least, at the very least, proving a lot of people wrong that thought that he was not in this race. But, Brandy, I want to talk to you about the idea of a mobile quarterback, right? Because it's Robbie Ashford at the end of this conversation, right? As Memes mentioned, he was the highest rated of the three coming out of high school. He's got a lot of ability. He is certainly an athlete, but uh, he doesn't think of himself as an athlete. He thinks of himself as a quarterback, right? Can this offense be successful with a pocket, true pocket passer? And how necessary is it that we need a guy who can run back there at quarterback? You know, I think with, the struggles we've had on offensive line, it's pretty important for our quarterback to be mobile in a sense. Um, And historically quarterbacks who are mobile, like succeed very well in Auburn's system. Um, So a quarterback like Robbie, I think would succeed in our system. 
Um, so I pr- personally prefer a mobile quarterback. That's not to say that TJ isn't a mobile quarterback, though. He has a very similar build like like what Cam had. And Cam was a pretty mobile quarterback and and knew how to get first downs without having to throw the ball. And so I think that if TJ ends up being QB1, I think we would see a lot more mobility from him this season than we saw in the small sample size from last season, assuming that we do have some improvement on the offensive line and um, everything that we've been being told by Harson about his improvements are true. Yeah, you have to kind of really envision what this offense looks like without a mobile quarterback because we just haven't seen it be successful often. Jared Stidham was pretty immobile. Like, he wasn't a statue, but he wasn't a guy that you expected to make plays with his legs on a consistent basis. Conversely, memes, Robbie Ashford on the other side of TJ Finley, what are the chances? I've been saying that I don't think it's that important who starts game one versus Mercer. I think it matters who's still the quarterback game five or six and why we've switched quarterbacks, right? What do you guys think about who starts the season at quarterback? I don't think there's a consistent, I just, with all the reports we've gotten and obviously so many things can change, especially it is changing almost daily at this point. So I just don't see even after the scrimmage, I just, how folks and maybe even the coaches themselves are really going to feel that this is the definitive guy. And we'll just say it this way. If it is, there is a very slim chance that, that person just, let's just say it's TJ for this example, made a massive leap forward. I think there's a much greater chance that the guys behind TJ didn't develop as much as they potentially could have. Now, that's not as fair of a bag to put on Robbie because, like I said, he's still a younger quarterback. I think that's a little bit more to go with Calzada. Not, nothing is impossible here, but with that being said, I think you've got to see how the guys play. Robbie's weapon, dude's a good quarterback can really make things happen with his legs. You can't really see how that really comes to fruition game time and practice because you've got no contact. So you might see a completely different guy out there come game time, and you've got to let these guys get some, and it stinks to say because you really want your QB1 to get that development, but I think you really got to run the risk to say, hey, we might have a starter, and this guy's going to get the minutes, but these other one and or two, depending upon how the race looks at that time, like, you need to get out there and really show us what you can do to make sure that we need to close the chapter on this race. And I think that's going to probably be a good thing for the coaches. And it's going to be a probably help the fans rest a little bit easier to just make them feel like they're part of it. But also on the flip side of the day, like we got to remember, like if we don't see that come time game, we really have to trust these coaches to know what they're doing. And if they, yeah. don't, they don't showcase multiple guys, that means that, it was not very close. And if the guys coming in at garbage times and not getting really meaningful reps during that game, there's probably a good reason for that. And people love the second string quarterback, but everybody just cried for Gatewood to play. And we saw how that happened. And in years past, when it's been a similar narrative, I mean, D Davis, same kind of thing. Sometimes the coaches actually know what they're doing and or what you want to believe isn't necessarily what needs to happen. Well, I, let's challenge that for a second was, about the coach really knows what he's doing or, or the last coach just never had a cap. He couldn't develop a quarterback. So we never had a capable backup. Whereas other schools could actually go to their backup at any point. Right. I, I think that was more the case was they misevaluated Gatewood. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much I can give Brandy Gus credit for going with Bo over Gatewood, you recruited Gatewood. You recruited a guy you couldn't play. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, the I mean, evaluation's a, a problem for sure. With, 
Yeah, there was a lot of evaluation issues from Miles On's staff when it came to quarterback. I mean, Jeremy Johnson, Kyle Frazier, Joey Gatewood, like there's more on the list there too. So I, yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, Mike. And I think this is a lot, this is a different situation than when Gus was there, probably at any point of his tenure, because the transfer portal is now having a much larger effect on, on things like this. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting too. Yeah, for sure. I just, I don't think, you know, we, we haven't had the fact that we haven't had capable backups, you know, again, to me is more of the indictment on the coach than the fact that he stuck with the guy that he picked even when, cause that guy's not playing well either. So it's just, Hey man, damned if you do damned, if you don't, we don't have a backup. So we just have, we've been asked as fans just to accept it, except that the coach knows what he's doing, except for the product on the field. It's not, does it not meet what we call your MVP, your minimum viable standard for production? So I, I'm hope we're hoping that that changes, right? TJ, if he doesn't meet the MVP, then you're hoping that Ashford does. Now I've been cautioning people that just because a guy doesn't win the, the job in fall camp, doesn't mean he's not the better quarterback for the team at the time. We've seen lots of examples of this in college football. Stetson Bennett didn't start as the starter last year for Georgia, but he damn sure finished the national champion winning quarterback. And uh, Kirby didn't go back to uh, JT Daniels at all during that season. He kept the job. Now, Stetson was pretty regular, but he definitely did enough to get the job done. So I'm just wondering with Robbie Ashford, if Penn, let's talk about Penn State for a second. We get to Penn State. What do we need to see from TJ Finley at Penn State to feel good about the rest of the season with him at quarterback. I got some stats pulled up here. Uh-oh. Stats. Got some stats. <laughs> so TJ's TJ Finley's best game. South that, Carolina. Yeah, that was what I was saying. Mm-hmm. His best game is South his best game he's ever started with South Carolina, which is ironic because right? it was his first game. First game, yeah. So <laughs> he went 17 for 21 for 265 yards, 81% completion rate. He had two touchdowns and one interception. His long pass was 51 yards. Now, granted, you got to you know, not have that interception. He also had eight attempts for 24 yards rushing, and he did not get sacked a single time. Now, South Carolina was not good in 2020, which adds more salt to that wound because Auburn proceeded to lose to them that year. Yeah, our quarterback shit the bed versus South Carolina. So, right. But <laughs> I, I think that against TJ. I, I think you take that interception away, and you're going to need to see a game like that out of TJ okay. where positive rushing yards – Really high completion percentage, very accurate. The it's TJ making the plays, not the receivers. It doesn't need to be like, well, you know, if that receiver didn't catch those three balls behind their heads or under their legs or at their knees, this would have been a lot worse of a game. There didn't need to be any of this adjusted completion percentage crap. It needs to be he hit him on the numbers, he hit him in stride, he hit him deep, he threaded the knee, you know, whatever the punchlines are to describe the throws, that's what he's got to do with the stats. And I mean, I hate to say that. He's got a lot of goodwill to make up in this fan base. And like I mentioned earlier, it may, may be fair. It may not be fair. But, I mean, he needs to play a near lights-out game as a quarterback to qualm the Auburn fans, qualm the haters, and take this thing by the horns. He's playing SEC football. This is the best of the best at this level. And he's got to step up the occasion. And there can't be anything about his game that is doubtful if he really wants to solidify this job at Penn State. Yeah, I, I like that stat line would be nice at Penn State, certainly. He's, you're not necessarily a superstar, but you definitely have done more than enough for the team to have a chance to win and to have some balance. What about you, Brandy? What do you need to see at Penn State 
to feel good about TJ Finley moving on through the rest of the season. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Yeah, I expect him to have, leading up into the Penn State game, I expect him to have a really high QBR, which essentially is basically everything that memes just said, just put into one number. We haven't had a quarterback at Auburn in a really long time that's had a consistent high QBR. So I, I would like to see that. And that basically means what memes said. So high completion percentage, good attempts. So for me, I think the mobility piece for TJ isn't as important because I don't think he is or will ever be a mobile quarterback. But I think a good balance on offense between establishing the run game and establishing, hey, we have an immobile quarterback and that's okay because we can make up for it in this. So I think a good balance of TJ and our running backs. But yeah, really for me, just a high QBR is what I'd like to see and goes into what everything that memes was saying. No, asterisk to that point though. I'm not saying TJ's going to run it. I'm saying he doesn't need to get sacked. Like if there's a situation okay. where TJ's about to... There's nothing there. He's got to scramble. If he gets forward and falls forward four yards versus getting sacked for minus four, like things like that, like just make a quick improv play, get beyond the line of scrimmage versus getting behind it when the play breaks down. But is that his game? But is that his game, though? Like, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Here's what I would say. Because our last quarterback, people would be like, if he couldn't run, then the sack total would have been higher. And I said, while that's true, how many of those plays where he got out of the pocket turned into positive plays? It was a very, very low percentage, right? Because sometimes there's nothing wrong with taking a sack if nothing's there. You take a sack or you throw the ball away and then you live to fight another down. I think for TJ personally, because he's not mobile, um, that if you over, if you try too hard to make a play with your legs, you're going to make mistakes, right? So throw the ball away, make quick decisions with the football or get down, right? But don't, Try to be Bo. Don't try to be Robbie Ashford. I, you know, that's not his game. Now, if he's going to run with the ball, I think making quick decisions to run is probably a better idea for him. You yeah, know? Yeah, I'm just trying to say, I, I'm just trying to say, don't get the negative yards. If you can't get back to the line of scrimmage, if possible, if the play breaks down. And like I said, we know this isn't his game. This should be a pretty rare moment. Hopefully, the offensive line does not put him in situations to where he is having to survive with his feet or make very dangerous throws. So hopefully that'll be a non-factor. But TJ does have the reputation of not being a very mobile guy. And he got the statue stigma around him. And he does not, I mean, he got sacked six times versus Alabama. And he was sacked once against South Carolina, once against Mississippi State, and once against Houston, which those three are not necessarily your, Minus Alabama, of course, but that was the fourth, I should say. But that's not your topest tier of talent. Even got sacked against Georgia State. So get a get, start a game without getting sacked. I mean, that would be a great, I think, let's see here. The only game he had where he didn't get sacked was a South Carolina game at LSU. Uh, excuse me, at LSU, the South Carolina game and the Texas A&M game. Then as well, he got sacked four times against Alabama when he was at LSU. So, I mean, that's a total... Four, six. So he's been sacked 10 times in two games by Alabama. So the issue is like when that talent gap is as big as it is, 
that right there is going to essentially cost the game from either just awareness time or not making something happen. So all I'm trying to get at is just try to avoid the negative yards. And maybe maybe that's too wishful thinking on me. Maybe I'm expecting too much out of TJ just to avoid the negative yards. Oh, I'll tell you this. I think most people are shocked when they find out how much the top quarterbacks in college football get sacked. Quite a bit, right? Jared Stidham in 2017, 35 sacks. He got sacked a ton, right? That's like 3.1 sacks a game that he took. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow in his Heisman season, 38 sacks. He got sacked 38 times, and nobody remembers it because they remember the good, positive plays that he made. Right. Because after that sack, he makes the right decision the next play. So, you know, sometimes the sack is appropriate. I think I would like to see him play the game like Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Right. There's a quarterback that doesn't get sacked a ton memes because he doesn't hold on to the football. At all. He's a quick release guy. So it's it's drop back and out for him. And so he doesn't get sacked. So you do you rarely see those negative plays that you say you don't want to see because he doesn't hold on to the football. Uh, What I think. TJ struggled with was for whatever reason, it felt like time had slowed while he was going through his reads. And when a quarterback just holds on to the ball, it makes him taking those sacks unbearable, right? Like we're like, oh my God, do something, run, do anything, literally, but stand there because we know you can't run. And you're doing the only thing that you absolutely positively can't do. Now, I agree with you on the sacks because he took a sack in the Iron Bowl that likely cost us the game. Took a sack of the hour bowl. It really put us behind the chains. And, and so no one like, got us out of field goal range. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cost, us, cost us a game, right? Like, so I would say knowing when it's appropriate to take a sack um, and then reasoning because these guys have split a uh, split second, right, to reason. I can't take a sack here or I'm going to cost my team points. Let me throw the ball away quickly. That's the that's the play that Harson is trying to get through to the quarterbacks that it's okay to make to protect you know, your our chance to score on offense or to protect field position, right? So that's what I would like to see from TJ is just, you know, throw the ball away, understand when the sack is appropriate and when you absolutely cannot take one. I'll give you another example of just situational awareness is what we're talking about. 2020 against South Carolina, when our quarterback crapped the bed against them, it was fourth and nine from like the 12. So. There were only like 12 seconds left in the game or something like that. It was not a lot of time. So forgive me if I'm off on how much time's left. There were a few seconds left in the game. And there were only two real options on that play to extend the game, for us to win the game, essentially, versus South Carolina. We need a bow to make a quick throw for a first down because we know now after Saban complained after that one iron bowl, you need at least three seconds to spike the ball. There have to be at least three seconds on the clock. Clock stops on first down, so he needed to make a quick throw. Or the only other option, because an incomplete pass on fourth down means the game's over, is to throw the ball in the end zone no matter what. Because the game's over. So you need a touchdown. This guy took off running from like the 20. (laughs) And I was like, what? There's zero chance you're going to make. That's the one thing they're not going to let you do is run from the 20-yard line into the end zone. He gets tackled in bounds, and the game's over, and I'm breaking things in my apartment. My dog is terrified (laughs) that things are just not good in life because our quarterback just didn't understand the situation. And I, I, I 
part blame him, but I put a lot on coaching in that situation. I think before you send a quarterback out there, right, he has to know, hey, brother, <laughs> here are the, here's the one thing you can't do on this play. Give us a chance. So, yeah, so I think to surmise this all up is like, TJ is definitely going to have to win it up here. I'm, I, for those who aren't watching on camera, I'm pointing at my brain. He's got to be a smarter quarterback. I mean, he's got the physical size, maybe not necessarily the physical athleticism. And you look at a guy like Peyton Manning, how does he make up for that? He's a film freak. Yep. He can read defenses like a book. And he is very aware of the time, the signals, the shifts, just everything, where the guys are supposed to be and everything around him. And from the reports we're getting, that seems to be why he's doing well in this race right now is he's the leader. He's the knowledge. He's got the playbook. He's moving people around. And that doesn't seem what the other guys are really getting at. Once again, the advantage of him doing it longer. But if he really can take strides there, that can get the rest of it. Now, the arm, you know, the throwing and the actual mechanics, that's a whole different story. And there's, Tons of things flying out about all three guys for how that's looking in practice. But for TJ, he definitely, if he's not developed mentally and as a leader, then it, it's going to be a long, cold fall. But I, I think just from what I'm hearing from the op- optimism, the optimistic side of me, right, is that hopefully that is a stride TJ can take because he's going into this offseason, the spring, fall, and summer. You hear him talking He's talking like he's QB1, and there's a lot to be said for that energy. Go with that moxie. Go with that confidence. As long as he's walking the walk and talking the talk and actually doing the things he needs to be doing in practice and learning, there's a shot. And just like you said, there's no reason to believe that a guy can't develop. And that's not right. fair for fans to look at it and say, oh, he, he did not have a great patch last year. Not a chance for this guy. Right. I don't. I mean, statistically, he did put himself step that puts you backwards. But also, it's not. I mean, Joe Burrow in 2018 was not a good quarterback. He won Heisman in 2019. So it's not like these stories are unheard of. We just got to hope that whoever's the best guy is going to be a guy that can get us eight plus wins pretty consistently. For sure. Uh, I want to close this segment out, guys, uh, with a little thing I want to start. Brandy, over under. That's the name of the game. (laughs) Over, Over under on touchdowns for T.J. Finley, passing touchdowns. Are we, assuming, are we assuming he's starting the whole season? We're assuming he's starting the whole season, okay. over-under on touchdowns. Um, you want me to, like, set the line, or you're going to give me the line? The, you're going to set the line, under. and then we're going to pick it. <laughs> okay, and this is just for passing, not for rushing? or Passing touchdowns. Okay. I'm going to set the line at 15 and a half. Ooh, okay. That's a good number. That's a good number. You're going over under 50, 15 and a half TDs. I'm going to go with the over because of our schedule and how we started off at home. I like that. I like that because he could rack up like 12 touchdowns in like three games, right? Okay. Right. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Memes going over under. He's not, he's not going to be, he's not going to be rushing them in. So I, if, it, if we're talking 15, I think it would be much higher than that. We'll put it this way. If it's, if he, if it is anywhere near 15, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough season unless tank wins a Heisman. Hmm. Okay. I'm actually going to go under. Hear me out. I, I, I believe there's going to be a package for Robbie Ashford in the red zone. And I Ooh, think, I, like this. Uh, I think that he poaches touchdowns 
from TJ and Tank this season. Because okay, I really like this. You can create mismatches with a guy who can use his legs and run the way that Robbie can. We got a little taste of it in the 8-8 game. But uh, I think I'm going to go with the under, just barely under. But I think that the running game reigns supreme this year at Auburn. And TJ Finley's job is to get us down the field and make the right plays in key moments. But I, I think they're going to lean on the tank in the running game uh, and then use Robbie in utility, you know, to, uh, to to kind of open up the playbook in the red zone. So uh, now, lastly, over under yards, passing yards for TJ Finley in 2022. Set the line for us. All right. Um... Let's go around 1,200. 1,200. That's low. That's low? That's okay. low. That's really low. Yeah, he got he got 600 yards in three games last year, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, plus some garbage time. So maybe like 2,000. Yeah, okay, like, let's go. Let's go with like 20. I like 2,200, actually. 200? Let's do okay. 2,200, yeah. That's about right. Because both threw, I think, for 2,300 yards last year. Yeah. Now, he obviously didn't finish the season, but uh, I feel like the most successful quarterbacks at Auburn have been at or over 2,800 yards. But if uh, to, to my point, if we're leaning on the run game, 2,200 might be a good line for this. Uh, yeah, and just thinking like the first few games at home, trying to figure out who really is QB1, you know? Mm-hmm. So that may, you know, give more opportunities for Robbie to rack up some yards there or potentially Zach. Yeah, if right. you're having, if you're especially if you're having a QB rotation where, because I mean, let's be real, yeah. a lot of these guys pad their stats in some of these games. So especially if you got a QB rotation where you're playing Robbie, TJ, and Zach in those first really two games, that could be a really tough deal to where a guy that might be able to get 250 plus on a game like that might get pulled around 150, 160 because someone else is going to play. So I mean, mm-hmm. that that could be the di- those two games could be the difference between three, four hundred yards. Right. So, so, so for, for reference, right, 2,200 yards is about 183 yards a game. Oh, I got a fun one for you. Calzada at A&M last season got 2,185. Okay. So that's right. an interesting, interesting oh, little number. Yeah, is it a number? But he also didn't play the full season either. I think he only, only, only a game and a half. Yeah. That's not true, yeah. Only a game and a half. So mm-hmm. I, I like the 2,200 as actually a really good line. I'm going to go with the over. I don't think it results in a ton of touchdowns for him, but I do think that if we are better at catching the ball down the field, and we've been hearing a lot of things about Camden Brown guys in these practices. Yes. Holy crap, man. We saw some video of him catching a touchdown pass. I think that an improved deep ball means more passing yards on less attempts in 2022. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the over 2,200 yards I, I am because we need it. If our quarterback throws for less than 2,200 yards, it's going to be a rough season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that because I think the, if we can bring back the slant, which everybody wants to slant, mm. get the wheel route back in here. That's a, that, I mean, that's a, that's a, TJ can hit that one. That's, that's something I think a lot of people feel confident, at least even though we just practiced some of the good things last season, get some of these guys down the middle. And we got some really good slot guys who can just, let's be real, Gus did not like passing in the middle of the field. Getting that back into the game, keeping linebackers on the other team honest, and just getting those little five to ten yard just chip passes up there, go up the field, and then just punch it in the end zone with the running game. Uh, I I could see how he could get the over on the yards 
and maybe necessarily under on the touchdowns in that scenario. And I think, I mean, let's be honest, Bobo wanted to pass the ball way too many times. I mean, TJ Finley had not, 51 completions for 91 attempts, and the three-game mm-hmm. started was 37, 26, and 32. I don't think TJ needs to be throwing over 30 passes. Like, he needs to be in the, the, the mid to high 20s on attempts, and let's hope pretty close to that on completions. But if we're talking 30-plus attempts, that's probably not good for Auburn. Yeah, I, I felt the same way last year, though, too. I, think I, I thought that was true for both. Like, no, 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 100%. 100% yeah. was true. And yeah, the year before, because that's what Morris wanted to do, is just get less, just quit passing the ball so much, run the ball, and when you do pass it, make sure it's efficient passing, and therefore, you control the game clock a lot better, too. So just, yeah. the, I, I just, I want to really, I'm just trying to talk myself, and there were a lot of, like, this is going to sound so stupid, but like, I'm really, this is where I am mentally. I'm trying to convince myself that like all the offensive problems were Bobo and all the offensive goods were Harson. And like, uh, I mean, mm. wouldn't that be the most like wishful thing? I like it. Ever? I, I, I like it. Brandy over under. I'm, I'm going with the over just barely the over though. And uh, I'm going to say that this is more of a testament to the improvement in our wide receiver core than it is to TJ being QB one. If he is, we, like you said, Kim, Jim Brown, we've seen so much hype around him and so much just, really great things being said about him. I think the talent is more improved than last year too, like Koi Moore, for example. Um, And our tight end room is stacked and loaded. So I think we're going to have a lot less drop passes this year. So I'm going to go over there. Just like, I think he's going to, I think he's going to finish around 23 to 2,500 is kind of where I'm imagining he finishes if he is QB1. All right. Well, listen, we hope uh, not only are we over on the things that we just mentioned, but uh, I think we're all wishing for the over on wins this season. As always, I want to thank Brandy Mack and Auburn Memes for joining me on the Auburn Express Powered by the Warcore podcast. It's Wednesday. Guys, until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.